As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Yo, I'm comfortable talking to Mark Alford. He don't make me feel like I gotta kneel at a dark altar. His colleagues are cool, things are jolly and smooth. Anything else, it'll be part stupid and part awkward. Do your homework before you talk to a vet. That way you won't get no static coming from tech. I'm on my own planet. Well, hello, Kansas City. Welcome to a special edition of Getting Comfortable with Mark Alford. Glad you've been with us through uh, 2019. I can't believe the year's already coming to an end. We wanted to look back on this year, some of the more memorable moments for 2019 as we get ready for the new year, which would be, what, 2020? Yes, that's kind of how it works. Um, some of you may be wondering, why is Mark Alford doing a podcast? Well, uh, that's a good question. I, I started two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago. My oldest son came to me and said, Dad, uh, you need to start a podcast, and I had I don't even think I'd listen to a podcast then. And then I listened to a couple of them. And I said, why do you want me to start a podcast? And he said, well, nobody my age watches television. I said, are you serious? Nobody watches television. He says, no, we watch YouTube. Uh, we listen to podcasts. We're on social media. And in a, so in an attempt to stay relevant and try to get younger viewers also on television, I thought, well, maybe I'll give it a shot, a little podcast. So we started out, uh, and I thought, well, who am I going to get on this podcast? Uh, you know, I know a few people. I've been here 21 years, but what do I want my podcast to be like? Who do I want to have on? Well, the first person that came to mind was Tech Nine because we've been friends for a couple of years, and uh, you know, most people know who he is. And I thought it'd be a good person to interview to get to know. What makes Tech Nine tick? And that's exactly what we did. And it just so happens when we went to uh, record the podcast at his strange studios in Lee Summit, it was about two years ago. He had just written this song and recorded it. And one of them um, was a getting comfortable song. And he had a lyric in there about me, the things he's comfortable with in life. And he said in the lyric that, and he played it for me, that he felt comfortable talking to me. And I thought, well, that'd be a great name for a podcast because I didn't have a name for a podcast. So we called it Getting Comfortable with Mark Alford. And that is the song that you just heard introing this podcast. Now in all of our podcasts, that's the music we use. He gave us permission to do that. And I kind of thought it was an honor because uh, to get someone to open up in a podcast or really anything, any type of interview you do, but especially a longer form uh, like we're doing here, about 40-minute podcast per podcast, 
you've got to they've got to be comfortable. They've got to feel like they can trust you. They're not threatened. And and basically, I just want to have conversations with people. Maybe you can get to know them uh, like I do on a personal level. A lot of these people that we did podcasts this year, uh, I did know and still are friends with. Some of them I'd never met before. The So I picked out the top five, what I thought, not necessarily the most listened to, but the top five from this year. So I'm going to start from number five and go up. Now, these aren't in order of anyone that I like better or I thought it was a better podcast or, or, or worse podcast, but these are some that really stood out in my mind. Uh, the first is a, a local DJ. He used to be anyway. He's been fired from several stations here in town. And if you listen to the podcast, you know the full story. His name's Randy Miller. And he does a lot of work around town still. He has his own podcast, which I encourage you to listen to. He's a pretty funny guy. But he came in the studio with a, uh, a fake microphone and was funny from the get-go. And I could not stop laughing. In fact, it was the I had some coffee or water, I think water, and it was the first time I'd ever actually done a spit take. And if you watch uh, the Facebook Live portion of this, you can see it happen. You can hear it on the podcast. And here is that moment. There. Right. All right. So Let's get back to me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's why I'm here. So you were the number one morning jock. Jock. I was a shock Radio jock. Jocks. I was a shock jock, Mark. Do you get tired of that label, shock jock? Uh, you know, it's funny. In Kansas City, to be a shock jock, you just do the weather wrong. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, people are just, like, ready to, you know. Beats athletic jock. Yeah, exactly. You jock know? itch. I was a shock itch. <laughs> no, you know, it used to, it did used to kind of bother me because then they would lump you in with the Howard Stearns right. and the, you know, and we didn't do any of that stuff. We just tried to be you innovative. Did crazy stuff. We did some crazy, crazy stuff, but I mean, uh, we, we tried to keep it on a level of just kind of innovative. How many times did you get fired? This week? No, in your uh, career. You know, and that's a question. See, but... but <laughs> A lot of people ask me that, Mark. <laughs> and, and, Especially your wife. Yeah, and they're and they're very disappointed. No, my wife every April second she would pack, <laughs> she would pack because we'd always do something on on April Fool's Day to get fired, and uh, and not intentionally, but it would happen that way. So as you can see, uh, quite a funny moment from Randy Miller. Listen to the whole thing because he has a rich history and still going strong, helping out veterans through different projects. Uh, you can hear that on on the podcast as well. Next up, a good friend of mine stopped by the Fox 4 Studios, Mr. Carl DeCapo. Uh, he has a rich history here in Kansas City, raises a lot of money here for various charitable organizations, helped raise a lot of money for the Liberty Memorial. In fact, it would not be open today if it weren't for Carl DeCapo. He started out, uh, well, I'll let you tell. I'll let Carl tell you how he started out here in town as a young man on the streets of downtown Kansas City. Carl? I started working downtown in 1933 when I was six years old. Doing what? My dad had the best shoe, best shoe shop in the United States. And I'll tell you about that. So what happens? I go down there, and I love, love the business. The next thing you know, I'm there. But let's go back to 1933. 
when you had no shoes, when you had girls in my class that their mothers made dresses for them out of flower sacks. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember my grandmother doing that. I still have some of her quilts that were made out of that, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they had nothing. You ought to see the soup lines that they had every night for people to come out. Mm-hmm. The men would leave their families because they couldn't feed them, and they'd get on a train and leave and had nothing and leave their families there. Mm. So anyway, my dad asked me if I'd come down during the summer at six years old, and I got on the bus, a streetcar. Six years of age. Six years of age. I went down there, and they would call my dad, and I would run over and get their shoes while they continued typing barefooted. I'd run over, get the shoes, get a pair of heels on for a dime, okay? So yeah. reheal their shoes, basically. For a dime. Mm-hmm. Okay, I did that all summer, and then on Saturdays I did that. I got a dollar a week. That was my salary, and I went down to Columbia National Bank and started my my account. So you've been so involved in all these years in fundraising. Tell me all the different organizations and causes that you've raised money for. This might take a while, folks. We started while I left there. I had nowhere to go, so... I went back and started going back to Rotary. Right. So I go to Rotary, and they, Jerry Moeller was going to be the new president. So he came to me, and he says, Carl, would you take the program? I said, sure. I got nothing to do. Then he comes back the next day, and he says, they've already picked someone. Hmm. Would you take membership? And I said, well, yeah, sure. I'll do that. He said, well, I want to tell you something before you take it. Every year... We go, we sign 40 new members, but we lose 60, and we're going Mm. downhill. Because people are getting older, not as many people joining clubs. Right. Okay. And and Rotary 13 was the 13th Rotary Club started. I think the first one started in Chicago, right? Right. And then, and it, at one time, everyone who was anyone was in Rotary 13. There had more than 600 members at one point, right? Well, what had happened when we were there, we had 500 when they Mm -hmm. told me. Okay, so I said, sure, I can do that. He says, well, I want to tell you. I said, you got any money for for uh, membership drives? He said, we got twenty five hundred dollars. I said, fine, that's good. Okay, I said, now I'll tell you something. I said, you say you only serve sign forty. Okay, I'll sign a hundred in three months. What? I said, <laughs> I'll sign a hundred. And three months. He said, you're not. I said, I'll give you my word. Okay. So what happens? How many did you sign up? Well, they go and tell the people that, mm-hmm. you know, when you join, they tell you the difference of the history of it. And all. Right. And they said, he can't do it. He can't. We got 500 and we can't sign 40. That's it. Three months later, I had signed 108. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to uh, say no to Carl. If Carl comes to you and asks for money for a charitable organization, you're going to give him money. Believe me, he will not stop until you give. But they're always for good causes. So, Carl, love you, man. All right, number three is a big issue that came up for Kansas City voters. You know, um, the city council changed the name of, um, of the Paseo Boulevard, a very historic boulevard here in Kansas City, and changed it 
to MLK Boulevard, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. And, well, they did not go about it the right way, and they admit that they did not go about it the right way. They spent $60,000 changing the signs. It was a big hullabaloo. And there was a petition drive from actually someone who lives on the Paseo who got it on the ballot to change it back to the Paseo. And um, she's actually an African-American woman who started this petition drive to change it back. Well, somehow race got into this issue. The people who wanted it changed back to the Paseo. They wanted it changed back strictly for the historical value. Uh, George Kessler, who came here, who designed the whole park system and really turned the image of Kansas City around in the early 1900s, brought the name of the Paseo here. And you can read more about that. There's plenty of links for that on the history of it. But how did race creep into it? Well, two gentlemen, two doctors from the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, two pastors, Sam Mann and Vernon Howard, came on our show, and we debated the issue. We had the other side as well from the ladies who led the petition drive and gave the whole historical perspective. I encourage you to listen to that. But it, my jaw almost hit the floor when they, well, when they said this, listen. Is there anyone on your side of this issue who feels like this is a race issue, that people don't want it called Martin Luther King Boulevard because of race? I do. Why? Because I think that the, that the majority of the folks who want to reclaim this, uh, recall, recall this uh, uh, street name, uh, have some kind of history of Kansas City, which was predominantly white, in the day that the street was named. All the folks you talked about who named that street are white, and they're gone. And when you see, even see the names in the paper, uh, in the paper, it, they're living in Overland Park, and uh, you know, even outside the, outside the city. And the names on those petitions are living, you know, outside the, outside the neighbor. They've gone. Now, uh, you said you, you all brought up the thing a while ago about 63rd Street. Where are those folks that used to live on Paseo? Paseo was a black street. Where are those folks? They're gone. They're part of the problem. You understand what I'm trying to say? I probably shouldn't say that, should I, Doctor? I think you should say uh, what's in your heart and mind. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. A lot of that happened after the desegregation lawsuit, I believe. Is that correct? The white flight out of the urban core? Uh, I, you know, when was Johnson County built? Johnson County is white. Am I right or wrong? Huh? I'm letting you speak. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm serious. I'm asking the question. I would think the majority of Johnson so. County residents are And, and when Caucasian. it was started, when it was started, mm -hmm. who started it? Did you see black families in Johnson County? I mean, if, they, if, if the will of the folks is the will of the folks, uh, black folks count too. Mark, this, this is, these are hard uh, things to say, but they are true. Well, if you know about the story and how it ended up, voters overwhelmingly, almost 70% to 30% said change it back. And now uh, it's back to the Paseo. They're changing the signs now. And the mayor is taking suggestions for how we should properly honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Will it be uh, making the MLK Park that's on Brush Creek a first-class park? How will we do that? And they're still taking your ideas. So uh, you can Google that and find out how you can turn in your ideas. Number two on our list, drum roll, 
This was an odd one because uh, we had done some story on the news, and I can't remember what it was, but I had it was about a transgender uh, issue. And notice how I enunciated there, and I'll tell you why in a bit. Um, and uh, someone contacted me on Facebook, and, and this person regularly watches our show, and they had a beef with me about, um, it wasn't an editorial comment, it was just something that, not a proper usage for the transgender community and proper terminology. And I'm like, I am, I wrote this person back and said, I am so ignorant on this subject, and I want to be educated. Can you please do a podcast with me? Uh, so Larissa Shively Vitt, who is transgender, came on our show and educated me about the proper terminologies and also a really, I don't know, I thought it was pretty insightful in how honest and open she was, how vulnerable in opening up about her life's journey, where she is now, and her hopes for the future. Listen. Go back to first grade. Yes. And, and I'm sorry I'm skipping around. Oh, no, no, no. Because I, I know that you said you do battle depression. Did you have that in first grade when you first realized that you weren't like all the other boys in your school? Um, I, I believe I did. I mean, it wasn't a big thing. You Well, it was a big thing, but back in the 80s and, and late 70s, it's not something you talked about. Mm. And, and kids picked up that quick, you know. Well, we didn't have the term even transgender back then, I don't believe. It was transsexual. It was transsexual. And that's not allowed, that's not a good term anymore, right? It, it depends on the, transsexual is, is more of a specific, it's for, um, and it's what used to, they used to refer to as a trans, when a transgender woman mm -hmm. goes through the actual transition and from Sexual reassignment surgery. Correct. Okay. Or gender affirmation surgery. Oh, new term, gender affirmation surgery. Yeah, but um, the, the, the acronym GAS really is kind of <laughs> weird. So, all right. <laughs> You're funny, Larson. I try. So how your parents tried to get you, they thought you needed help, right? No, no, they, they would make hints that I would... You know, if, if I didn't change my behavior, they'd take me to a doctor, oh, quote-unquote. Yeah. And did this come from uh, their religious beliefs? Yeah. Um, my, my dad is from a large Catholic family, mm -hmm. and my mother is from a large Southern Baptist family. So, yeah, I got it both ways. Hmm. Um, I have the whole Catholic school thing going on with the, with, the, with the nuns. I went to Catholic school until the eighth grade. So at what point did you tell them that you were really female i kept it in until 2001 2000 is when i came out so for 20 years yeah yeah and it's mostly because of of religious indoctrination you know i'm not i'm not against christianity i'm against organized religion um we should be able to be giving be given the facts but not only from one source, but from all over. I mean, and that comes with religion and theological um, knowledge as well. We were all given uh, a brain and a mind and, and a way to think, and especially in in this political climate, I see a lot of a lot of followers and not a lot of people who are thinking for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and again, a lot of emotion gets involved, and I totally understand that when uh, when the 
military ban was first introduced before it went, uh, before the, the, the courts got involved. Mm-hmm. Um, it I used was, to be don't ask, don't tell. Uh-huh. Um, and then I was, when, when Mr. Obama got in and, and, mm-hmm. and lifted everything, I was great. If, if I could have transitioned while in the military, I would have stayed in. I was in for six years, and I would have been a lifer. Mm. But it was getting to the point where there was, uh, it was all starting to boil over. Um, I got out in 1999, um, bought a house, and um, I was in my garage. I, I like to play with cars. I had my first car was a 1948 Chevy. Wow. And uh, my dad was into old hot rods, so I was getting into them as well. And it was just something I liked as a kid. Um, but that, the garage was my escape. I went out there. I was away from family, friends, everything, and that was my time. Um, but it got to the point, um, that I had a hundred foot extension cord wrapped around my neck and I was ready to take the step in the garage, in the garage. It was wrapped around the rafters. Um, I had taken the car all the way apart down to just the frame and tires and it rolled really, really well. So I stood up on the frame and I was getting ready to kick it out from underneath me. Um, I had a, I had a religious, spiritual, coming to Jesus kind of moment. Um, There was a hand on my right shoulder. Um, I could feel the weight of it. And then a thought came into my head that was totally against what I was going. My thought process at the time was my family and my friends would have been better off without me because I was so broken. Um, But the thought came to me, which was totally said that you're son would be better off being raised by two women than one parent. So, and and that was, that was the time that I I realized, um, the universe, a God, whatever you believe in was telling me that, yeah, you are who you are. And if it's cause, if this is causing you this much pain, take the steps to what, to what you need to do to be happy. That was a pretty touching story. And uh, Larissa, by the way, still Facebook messages me and with thoughts and criticisms and ideas. And so we've kind of struck up a friendship. It's kind of cool. All right. You ready for number one for getting comfortable with Mark Alford? It is. Well, the reason I chose this is because we have are approaching 150 murders in Kansas City, Missouri again this year. It's just unbelievable the violence that's going on here. A lot of these. Um, Cases are unsolved. Uh, a vast majority of them, well, a lot of them are drug deals and, and gang violence, but a lot of them are just people getting into arguments and how we would settle things with our fists when I was a kid. Uh, people are settling them with the guns. When we should be talking, you shouldn't be using your fist or knives or guns, but we should be talking. I had two gentlemen on from the Center for Conflict Resolution, Damon Cox and Greg Winship. They are doing remarkable work going into our schools, setting up um, like even in hallways and wherever they can find office space, these places where they bring people who have conflicts into an environment, a safe environment where they can talk things out. A lot of times uh, these young men and women They don't know how to talk things out. They weren't taught that way. They weren't parented that way. And these guys uh, are stepping in and saving lives. Here's a little bit of what they do. Listen. 
All right, let's break out in this because this is a serious topic. We've had more than 100 murders here in Kansas City again this year. We still have several months to go. What in your mind is going on in our culture and our society, Damon, that's leading to these murders? Well, we firmly believe that the one of the main causes of a lot of the violent crimes in the city really comes from uh, lack of conflict resolution skills. So if these skills are put in people's toolbox, then we believe that the people who are hurt will no longer really want to hurt people because we believe that hurt people hurt people. So if they had these conflict resolution tools that our center really provides and, and teaches, then we believe there would be a drastic decline in the in the murder rate and the violent crime. You're still going to have your gang retaliation and things that. like that, yes, robberies. But you're talking about where people are getting in a fight. And back in the day when we used to settle a fight with fists, mm-hmm. they're settling it with guns now. Absolutely. For more than 20 years, the number one known motive for murder in Kansas City, according to the police department, has been arguments, not gang-related, drug-related, any other related uh, deaths. Um, And so if people can learn to resolve arguments without picking up a gun and shooting somebody, without stabbing somebody, without taking taking it to the violence to the streets, um, that's what we're concerned about. And we're trying to resolve that at the beginning of that so when they can come together and talk about that, resolve that issue, and we're trying to provide a forum for them to be able to do that. Well, thank you for joining us. Those are my top five. I encourage you to listen to all of our playlists on the podcast, Getting Comfortable with Mark Alford. If you have any suggestions of anyone that you think I ought to be interviewing that would make a great guest, please email me uh, here at the station. We'll put a link on this site, so a quick email straight to me, and I will thoughtfully consider that. I hope you have a happy new year. God bless you, and uh, thanks for getting comfortable with Mark Alford. I'm comfortable talking to Mark Alford. He don't make me feel like I gotta kneel at a dark altar. His colleagues are cool, things are jolly and smooth. Anything else, it'll be part stupid and part awkward. Do your homework before you talk to a vet. That way you won't get no static camera from tech. I'm on my own planet. I'm in my zone, damn it. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.